0: It's always great to begin a new series and spend uh, some time over the next several weeks focusing our attention, our hearts, our learning, our understanding uh, on on a new area. And we're going to be talking over the next several weeks uh, about a topic that we've called in the series called, It's Spiritual. And of course, you'll notice a dollar sign on the S in spiritual. We're going to be looking at money and stuff and finances and things. So if I said to you, for the next 30 minutes... I wanna talk to you guys about uh, what's going on in our stock market. We're hitting some new highs on the Dow. Anyone excited about that? Come on, you don't. You're in church. You're going like I can't really, you know, say anything like that. But you know, maybe you are. Uh, or let's talk about um, Bitcoin. Who's excited about Bitcoin and Ethereum and uh, you know any of those things? Let's talk about blockchain technology and how that's working. Uh, I would love to talk a little bit over the next 30 minutes about uh, what's happening in the Columbus housing market and and how this is you know a great time. Uh, you know, it's a it's a seller's market and this is a great time to be involved in that. Uh, some new technology that's coming out. Want to talk about that? Oh yes, yeah, I also want to spend a little bit of time talking about some of the backlogs that we have um, right now on our whole infrastructure and what's happening, right, with our supply chain. I mean, all those issues, right? I mean, this is, this is important stuff. And so I hope we, you guys have some time, you're ready to take some notes, because you now, some of you guys are going like, <laughs> zoning out, going, I don't even, I don't care about that stuff. I, I, don't, I don't even wanna talk about that stuff. Others of us might be going, yeah, that sounds really interesting. Like, I would, I would love to hear a little bit more about that, but that's not why I'm here. That's not why I came to church, I mean, I, I come to church to hear about spiritual things. I come to church to hear about you know stuff that, that that has to do with my faith. You know that might be important, but but let somebody else talk about that. We're we're here at church for a different reason. So let me ask you this question: What is spiritual? What is spiritual? What qualifies as spiritual? And when we think of spiritual, and you think about like the definition of spiritual, things that come to mind are matters that have uh, of, of our of a religious nature, devotional, sacred. You think about things that, that, you know, that have to do with the heart and have to do with the soul. They're, they're kind of in an untouchable realm. You've got this area up here of spiritual things. Spiritual things happen up here, and then there's like the every, everyday stuff. Spiritual things, you know, that has to do with, with prayer and um, with reading the Bible. Spiritual experiences, that's like what we have with worship when you just surrender your heart and you're just in this place where, where you're moved deeply. Maybe you read something of the word of God or a truth that comes your way, and you're like, oh, that's, man, that moves me deep. You know, you see a beautiful sunrise or you look into the eyes of a little newborn and, and those are spiritual moments. But what is spiritual? What does it mean to be spiritual? What, what goes into that, that, that list of the types of things you would say in your life are spiritual? You know what's noticeably absent from that list? Paying your mortgage, <laughs> investing, right, saving, buying stuff. Nobody says, oh, that's so spiritual, Nobody ever said, you know, so spiritual, you know, to go and I uh, have to go after church and I'm gonna go to Costco and I have to fulfill my shopping. Now, Well, some of you might say that's spiritual. You guys like going to Costco? Kind of spiritual? <laughs> Coming home with a 128 ounce jar of Nutella? I mean, that's like, <laughs> that's spiritual. That's awesome. Well, we separate material and spiritual. We have this, this separation. And we say on one side, this stuff is spiritual and this is material and we separate that even kind of by definition. Material is tangible, spiritual is up here. And we don't in, include in the spiritual realm some of these financial issues, these matters that we're talking about, let alone the idea that, that we can look at our, our finances and our stuff and our treasure as a means to spiritual growth. Like we, we almost separate it completely, but yet, could this be something else? Could there be something more to that? How we handle our money, what we do with our money? I want to tell you, it is spiritual. It absolutely is spiritual. Here's what I want to drive home today. How we relate to and handle our money either stunts our spiritual growth or accelerates it. How we relate to and handle our money either stunts our spiritual growth or accelerates it. That's, going to be, that's the whole foundation for the, this series because we talk about discipleship in the church. What does it mean to be a follower of Christ and how do we give our lives to him and how do we devote ourselves to him and yet this one area is an area that, that, that either is this place where maybe right now the reason you're stuck growing spiritually is this very area of your life and that's maybe the, the, the hard news to hear. This is, this is a part where, oh man, I, I struggle with but also the good news is it can accelerate your spiritual growth how you handle this area of life can actually move things forward. And, and you know, when we, when we look at this area, we get uncomfortable, why, why do we talk about this in the church? Whenever this comes up in church, whenever, I've, I've taught on this for over 20 years in different ways, and whenever that time comes where we, we bring up money, there's always a, a, an odd hush in the audience. We, we get kind of uncomfortable. Like, why, why do we talk about money in, in, in church? You know, that faith has nothing to do with money. We, let's, let, let, me handle, let me handle my money part, and uh, you handle the, the, the church stuff, the Bible stuff, and the God stuff. That's what, that's what we do in church. These two, you know, we don't, we don't want them to, to come together in, in that way. You know, I thought faith was, was free, and, and why would we talk about money? And, well, and, and some just get uncomfortable because, well, in the church, you know, you're just doing the series so the church can get more money. We do the series, the church gets more money. Well, let me just be upfront with you. Um, yeah, the church needs money. The church has always needed money, always uses money, always uses it for the kingdom. So let me just put all the cards on the table. Yes, we have a budget that's over a million dollars a year here on this, uh, for the church side and the children's center side has another million dollar budget. Have you guys bought any of the products we sold lately, by the way? Oh, wait, we don't sell anything. I forgot. We don't sell anything. <laughs> oh, we, you did? You got a mug? We, we, we sell those now? I don't know. Oh, okay, yeah, no, we give, that, we give that away to, see, we even give those away to people who are, you know, coming new and stuff like that. But, but the reality is, no, money is a part of who we are as a church and how we function. So yes, that's there. Well, Pastor, aren't you just talking because uh, I, I received some of that money. Yes, my salary comes from your generous giving. Thank you for providing for me and my family. So yeah, it is a little weird to be talking about money, knowing that, that, that ultimately some of the resources that God entrusts to us come back to the church. But here's the thing. It's not, about, it, it, it's not about what we want from you. It's what we want for you. It's what God wants for us. And that's why we need to bring this up. But yes, that can create this tension. Like, what are we doing with this? Why do we talk about this? Because part of our responsibility of the church is to talk and to teach us how to become disciples of Jesus, how to walk in that reality, how to live our daily lives following Christ. And if I know one thing that is daily part of every one of our reality, realities is how we handle money. Right? Is, is money a daily reality? I, I, I scarce think we can go through a day without coming across some way in which we have to pay something, buy something, earn something, invest in something. Money is a part and stuff and material things are so much a part of every part of our lives. And if they're part of every part of our lives, then it's a daily thing that becomes a matter of our life and our faith and our discipleship and how we follow God in that process. Now, if I were to tell you we're gonna teach a series, like an upcoming series, we're gonna look at, um, we're gonna look at trust, trusting God more, we're gonna look at faithfulness, we're gonna look at um, you know, how to cultivate a spirit of generosity, we're gonna, we're gonna look at what it means to be on mission for God. You'd be like, oh, those are those are things we need to talk about. Well, that's this series. <laughs> that's exactly what we talk about when it comes to money. We're talking about all these pieces over the next several weeks because how those things relate have everything to do with our relationship with God and how we grow in our faith. And when we think about our American culture, capitalism, consumerism, right? How we we run the markets and and how money and stuff is so much a part of, of our lives in this most affluent nation. We have to talk about how our money intersects with our faith. We absolutely must. If we separate it out, we're missing out on what God has and wants to do through us and, and, and if we don't leverage that and bring that to him, we're missing out. And so this is an important piece we're gonna talk about um, because if we don't talk about it here, you know who's, who's more than happy to talk to you about it? <laughs> Madison Avenue, <laughs> Wall Street, Hollywood, Every commercial you ever see, all day long, people want to talk to you about your money, whether you realize it or not. Every advertisement you see, every little video that, that you, know, you watch on your phone that gets interrupted by an ad, everyone is trying to make money, everyone's trying to profit, everyone's trying to tell you how to spend your money and what to do with it and how it's going to bring you fulfillment and happiness and everything you ever dreamed of in life, and yet somehow we think the church can't talk about it. We need to talk about it, and we're gonna talk about it. So I hope that we come over the next several weeks just with an open heart and an open hand to say, okay, God, um, speak into my finances. And that's where I wanna begin today, where we just allow God to speak into that. So let's just begin with a word of prayer and ask God to just open our hearts to just uh, remove anything that may be blocking us from that and allow him to speak. Heavenly Father, thank you for a space and a place where we can come to talk about every part of life. And even over these next several weeks, God, as we look at, Our money, our things, our stuff, the hold those things have in our lives, Father, would you just allow us to put them on the altar, to to open our hands before you, and to allow you to speak, and to show us something new, God, and as we've talked, to, to grow us closer to you. We pray these things in Jesus' name, amen, amen. So we have this uncomfortable tension between God and money. I already acknowledge some of it, you know, whenever we talk about it in church. And, and if you talk about it with other people, we can talk about weather and stuff, but, but nobody ever goes, hey, let's talk personal finances together. You know, we may be talking about stock markets, or you may be talking about investment, but nobody will be like, hey, so what do you make? What's your salary? You know, tell me about that. You know, what are you spending your money on? Show me. You're like, we, we have this area where this is personal, we don't talk about that. And, and so there's tension even between people, but there's also this tension between God and money between faith and money as we've talked about. And we go, where does this tension come from? Is that okay to have that tension? Why do we have this tension? Is it okay to have money and to have God? Can you have both? Is it one or the other? Well, we gotta look at that. that. What does that look like? How do we relate together? And the reason we have this tension Is because God acknowledged that there is a tension. Jesus himself acknowledged there is this tension. Look at Matthew chapter six. We're gonna spend a little bit of time here in in a few verses in Matthew six, a chapter where Jesus talks about worrying about money and stuff and things, and and he's just, he's getting, Jesus is understanding what we're dealing with, and here's what he says in verse 24. No one can serve two masters, for you will hate one and love the other, or be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God, and be enslaved to money. Jesus is setting up this tension, isn't he? He's saying like, look, right, right there. He's saying he understands it. Back 2000 plus years ago, right? He understood there is a tension. There's a tension between God and when you wanna do the things of God and be obedient to God and follow God, and yet there's this, this, this money. And what this tension is is this, who am I gonna serve? And what he's saying is money can become our master. We can become slaves to money. What does it mean to become a slave to money it means to serve money it means to 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 focus on it to do whatever you need to get more of it to be obedient to it to 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 get the things you want in life and so he's saying yes there is this tension but he never says that money is a problem you never hear jesus talking about that money is a problem look money is not the problem the problem is not that we have money you know what the problem is It's that money has us right, that, that's the problem, it's not money, money is a part of life, and that's why we have to deal with it, it's not to say, do away with all money, it's how do we handle it, what place does it have in our lives, so the problem isn't that we have money, money has a hold of us, and, and, and I gotta be honest too, in my life, I have to ask myself, how much is, is money in my conscious awareness on a regular basis, and, and, and this idea to either to, to try to acquire more of it, and how to use it in the best way possible, and again, we need to be, be smart, And mindful and use godly principles, but when it becomes the focal point, when it becomes what we pursue in life and and, and the answer to everything in life, it becomes a master in our lives. And it consumes our thinking and how to get it, what to do with it, and the bills. I mean, that's how money begins to get a hold of us. But Jesus talks about this devotion. When he talks about devotion, now he's he's getting into another matter. Like he says this, money and stuff competes for our hearts. He wouldn't use the word devotion if it was just, money is just math and accounting and numbers. It's easier for us to think, oh, it's just, that's all it is. Now there's an emotional connection there. There's something there that, that, that captures our hearts. And what Jesus is saying is there's a competition. Something's competing for our heart. And he's saying, look, something's going to compete, either God or money. One of these is going to win out, and they're in tension with each other. And so if something's competing for our heart, and as Jesus is saying, there's this, this, this competition for our devotion, our allegiance, I would argue to say that makes it spiritual. Would you agree with me? It makes it spiritual. If it's an area in our lives that we have to deal with, that, that speaks into our heart. So as, we, as, as you think about your life, where are the gauges on your life pointing towards? When I think about the car, you've got different gauges, right? You know if you're low on fuel because it's pointing low towards empty You've got your, you know, you can read your RPM, your, your tachometer, you know, your speedometer, you've got all, all the little warning lights going off. How do you know in your own life how much of your heart is committed or devoted or, 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 or where that allegiance lies? Wouldn't it be great if we could just tell? Well, Jesus gives us some indication here of where we can begin to look. A couple of verses earlier, Matthew chapter six, verses 19 to 20, he says it this way. Don't store up treasures here on earth where moth eat them and rust destroy them and where thieves break in and steal store your treasure in heaven where moths and rust cannot destroy and thieves do not break in and steal i'd put it this way as a heart indicator asking you this question where do you spend store and invest your money if you want to know again he's just saying where do you store your treasure where is that and is it on heaven in, in heaven or on earth so where do you spend store and invest your treasure this begins to be an indicator for us. It used to, be years ago, people would say, uh, "You know, show me your checkbook and I'll tell you what you value. You know why we don't say that today anymore? Because nobody has a checkbook, right? <laughs> when was the last time you wrote a check? You're like, I'll check my checkbook. I, I must have value nothing. I don't know, I have nothing there. But, but, but where would we look today? Today we might look and say, okay, show me your credit card statement, right? Show me your credit card statement. Go through your credit card statement. Where are the things that that, that matter to you? Look at your bank statement. God entrusts us with certain amounts of of resources and treasure and stuff and things. Where are they invested? Where are they leveraged? How How do we look at that? Because we're really good at storing treasure on earth. Nobody needs to learn how to store treasure on earth. We love to store treasure on earth. We love to store and build our own kingdoms. And, and to buy things and to, and to acquire things. Again, this is our, our country. This is our culture. Americans, if we're good at one thing, it's consumerism. It's shopping and buying, and, 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 and man, Christmas is already right. Babe, you better get out there right now because there's not, the shelves aren't going to be stocked, so get your Christmas gifts now in October. You got to. It's so important. It's buy, buy, spend, spend. I mean, this is our culture. And we, if we don't step back from it, we just get wrapped up in it. And so it just comes easy to store treasures to buy and, and to have the Amazon truck come every day, every other day, constantly. It's like a friend you know, who just shows up bringing goodies every day on our doorstep. I mean, what a cool concept. I mean, and we just build our kingdom and our treasures and we store them in these places. I love how, how, how Dave Ramsey puts a Dave Ramsey, financial guru, looking at biblical principles on, on how to invest our money. And, and he says, you know, we buy stuff we don't need With money we don't have to impress people we don't like (laughs) this is in our in our nation we 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 buy stuff we don't even need with money we don't have like we don't even have the money we'll go in debt for we'll just put it on the credit card and we'll pay it off in payments and we'll pay it off over five years and so you don't really even own your stuff right and then you're trying to impress people you're that, that you're complaining about all the time you say what 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 is it about us that we do that, that we're in this mode, right? We store treasure here on earth, and then he says, Well, store it in heaven. And we go, Well, how do we do that? <laughs> how do we store treasure in heaven? How, like, can we, can we send it along? I was heard we can't take it with us. So, so how do we how do we store treasure in heaven? And how do we get about the things in the kingdom of heaven that matter? Does it mean only giving giving to church, giving to people in need, and, and supporting others? Well, I think that's a good start. To so start looking at what are the things that matter, and ultimately Jesus is saying, if you store treasure in heaven, I'm kind of guessing that that treasure awaits for us in heaven at some point. Kind of like you're saving for your retirement, some point in retirement, there's a treasure there that you can leverage. And he's saying there's a treasure that you can store up and, and actually send ahead. So what does that mean? How do we invest in, in things that, that are gonna make a difference in this world and, and later we will also reap reward from? And God's saying he's gonna reward us in, in this way, storing these treasures in the kingdom of heaven. So if it's about where we store our treasures, But then I asked this question, like, how do we get our heart, how do we get our desires to be about the kingdom of heaven? How do we get into a place where we want to be invested and leveraging and using the resources that God gave us for the kingdom of heaven? Well, Jesus answers this question in the very next verse, Matthew 6, 21. Wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will also be. This is a great verse. This This is a verse that really drives this whole series. Wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will also be. Do you see that link between heart and money, heart and treasure? This is why it's spiritual. Jesus is saying there's, there's, a, there's a connection there. There's a, there's a corroboration between these two pieces, money and heart, heart and money, and, and how they work together. But what Jesus is saying is, is actually opposite of what we think. We typically think, right, wherever our heart is, there our treasure goes. And we see that in our life. There's things we care about, and our heart goes with them, and so we, we, we give money. And, and so I'm not saying that's not true, but that's not what Jesus said. In this case, he said, Jesus said, wherever your treasure is, there your heart will also be. What he's saying is, money leads our heart. Wherever your treasure is, what follows behind your treasure? Your heart. If your treasure goes here, if your money goes here, if your stuff goes here, your heart follows behind it. And that's a really powerful truth is that money can lead our heart. It can lead our thoughts. So even earlier, as I shared this wonderful example of saying we're gonna talk about the stock market and hitting a new high, there was kind of a lull here in the room. Nobody was really that excited about it. But I bet you, if you have a lot of money in the stock market, you're kind of excited about that. (laughs) I bet you, if you're not invested in the stock market, you don't really care. Why? Your treasure isn't there Your heart isn't there. Wherever your treasure is, your heart follows. You care about that. You'll watch those things. You'll see what's going on in the markets. How about this? How how many of you have been to Florida? You've been on the beach? Anyone go to the beach? How many of you ever swam on a beach before? Come on, I think we can all relate to that, right? We can all relate to that. We wish we were there right now. Warm, warm weather, waves crashing on the shore. And you're out there and you're baking in the sun and maybe you're in the shade, whatever, but you gotta get out in that water because it's cool and refreshing, and so you're gonna go out in the water, and let's say you, you went there with your family and your kids are out in the water, and say, Mom, Dad, come on, we all wanna go. So you go out in the water. And so you go out in the water, but, but, but what, what do you do before you get in the, in the water? What are some things? Maybe you put on some sunscreen, maybe you get a float, you know, maybe you gotta get those inflatables for yourself. But there's another thing that you do. <laughs> you cover your valuables. Remember, how many, how many of you guys just throw your phone right on the top, you leave your wallet, you leave cash laying around, you cover your valuables, your car keys. And then when you're out there swimming, I don't know, maybe it's just me, but you're out there, do you ever look back when there's nobody there at your stuff? Like somehow if somebody grabbed your stuff, you're gonna like be an Olympic speed swimmer to get, swim out of the water and then chase them down, right? But somehow our heart is still stuck with our stuff. Some, there's a part of us that still is like, there's something valuable there. And so our mind is there, our thoughts are there. Let me ask you, do you ever worry about if your friend, uh, you know, if your friend pays their mortgage? Do you ever worry about that? Have any of you lost sleep over your friend paying their mortgage this week? Probably not. But if you co-sign their mortgage, why? What's different? (laughs) You've got some treasure invested. There's some heart. There's something there that's important. All of a sudden, you have a little bit of ownership, or maybe a lot of ownership. And ownership begins to create that connection. And so in our world, like, everything in our finances, the things we do, we try to buy them, and they lead, and they build up to this ownership because it becomes a part of us. I think it's funny, or you think about maybe some kids that are launching out on their own, you know, as, as, as young adults. And, and uh, I think that the difference between, like, living in your parents' home growing up, right, feed on the coffee table, food wherever, eat in the car. And then what, what happens if your kids, they get, a, they get their first car that they bought themselves? Hey, hey, no eating in my car, right? Or, or get your feet off my coffee table. What, why? Because now there's ownership. And ownership is, it creates this connection. The way I would say it this way is uh, what, whatever gets our money gets our ownership along with some of our heart. Whatever gets our money, whatever gets our stuff, gets our ownership. But with ownership comes becomes a heart connection. And so again, that's why we're talking about these matters. And that's not a bad thing. That's actually a good thing. It's a good thing that we feel ownership. It's a good thing that we feel connection. And that's part of the power of what Jesus is saying about how money can be used to lead our heart towards the things that matter for him, towards him. Whatever gets some of our money, whatever gets some of our stuff, gets some of our ownership, and that our heart follows. So what does this have to do with us? How do we, how do we process this? Well, I want to tell you this. As we look at the spirit the series, it's spiritual. One thing I want you to know is that God is not after your money. This is not the point of the series. The point of the series is not that God is after your money. You know why God's not after your money? Because He doesn't need your money. God existed before money. God created the whole world. He owns everything, everything's at His disposal. God is not after your money. You know what He's after? He's after your heart. He's after your heart. And that's part of the, the process of discipleship is that how we relate to our money. It's not that this just has nothing to do with it, like they're separated. No, the, the end goal is not to have your money. The goal is to have your heart. The whole goal is to, to pursue the things that matter to God. That's what makes it it's spiritual because our heart has already been captured in hundreds and thousands of small ways by so many different things each and every day. And every time that ownership, every time that heart gets invested, our, our heart goes into all these different places. And Eventually, what's left? What's left for the kingdom of God? How do we have enough left to put God in his priorities first? Do we see that connection? Howard Dayton, uh, Crown Financial Ministries, written a lot of books on financial management, uh, kind of a guru in the field as well. Here's what he writes. How we handle money impacts the closeness of our relationship with God. Is that what you expect to hear from a financial guru, right? I mean, I mean, think about that for a second there. How we handle money impacts the closeness of our relationship with God. Every time you apply one of God's financial principles, you will grow close to him. It's creating that connection. There's something there in how we handle money. This is why the power is there, that, that, that either if we're stunted, we have the opportunity to accelerate that growth, and allow money to lead us closer and closer towards the things of God, towards the things of his kingdom, towards the things that matter to him. But so many times, again, we get into this, 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 this mindset that, that we separate out. We separate out, this is, this is my realm and this is God's realm. I'll handle this stuff and the church and others can speak into this part. There's a story um, that, that I heard a long time ago, and I'm trying to do some digging to find out its historical accuracy, and, and I gave up after a while, but uh, it, sometimes the story's attributed to, uh, to Charlemagne. Sometimes it's a, it, the story I heard is attributed to Ivan the Great. And the story goes like this, that Ivan the Great, around the 15th century, um, was busy fighting wars, conquering you know for, for Russia and all these northern territories all in that, in that region, and was too busy to find um, a bride. And so he set out his his men and his, his people to, to find him a suitable bride. And again, they were conquering territories and all these things. Well, they found the perfect woman for him and she was the daughter of the king of Greece. And so not only would she, was she beautiful and, and everything that he would love, uh, it was also a strategic partnership between, between Ivan the Great and the kingdom of, of Greece. But there was one condition that the dad had on his daughter being married and that was that Ivan the Great would convert to the Greek Orthodox Church. And so he agreed, he accepted that he would do that, and, and so they sent a priest to him and, and, and gave him, walked him through all the catechism, all the learning, and, and he came to the point where he, he converted and then was baptized. And so when it came to the, to, to the, the wedding, that was all required for that, and he was baptized, but the, his men, about 500 of his men that came with him, also wanted to be loyal to him, and they wanted to follow his lead, and so they wanted to be baptized as well. And so kind of on the fly, they, they put some priests together and, and, and got them together and they schooled them and, and taught them the basics and then they were gonna baptize the soldiers. And so on this day, these 500 soldiers were to be baptized. They went into the water wearing their, their full gear, all their, their, their combat gear. And they, they went into the water and as the priests baptized them, the story goes that as they were being, went under to be baptized, they took their swords and they held up their swords and they held their swords above the water. The unbaptized hand. It was to say, Lord, we surrender everything but not my fighting hand, <laughs> not the sword that kills, not the one that still goes into battle. And as I think about the story and I think about how we look at our, our money and we look at our things and I think about the surrender that we say, God, I wanna follow you with everything that I have. I wanna pour everything into you, to you, God, and when we come as followers of Christ, Lord, here's my whole life. And we say in our baptism, all in. We may not be pulling our swords up, but I wonder and I Feel and I sense over years of ministry that for so many people, we get baptized, but at the minute before we get baptized, we pull out our wallet, we pull out our credit cards, we pull out our bank statements and our paychecks, and we say, God, I, sur- I surrender, I surrender all except this, this area, this area, that, that, that must all be just metaf- metaphor in the Bible, and it's really not something that you're, you wanna speak into. And we need to surrender all of it. We need to baptize all of it. We need to say, God, here's every part of what I'm yielding to you. You know, over the life of of this church, the generosity has been astounding. What has been done here locally, in the city, what has been done internationally, what has done to support our our movement, what has been done in this building, in this facility, over 70,000 square feet. Do you know how much we owe on this building? Zero, (laughs) because you know what? Generosity, But it wasn't just paying off the buildings and making, taking these steps. It was continuing to do vision and ministry within these walls and, and to the community and the generosity of generation upon generation. And God is blessed because of that. But I also know we have a responsibility to say, we're not done yet, are we? <laughs> are we done yet? Are we finished? Are we saying, this is great. Is our history just behind us or is it still ahead of us? Well, our history is behind us, but we're gonna write some new history. We wanna see some new beginnings. God to do some new things. And one thing I know is is, is a large part of what is supporting this congregation are the older generations, are those that have have learned just the discipline and and the the, the yielding of their, their resources and their things to the work of the kingdom of God. And I know the reality of some of us younger believers and some that are coming up in faith, part of what it means to follow Christ is to be able to surrender all of ourselves to God and to say, how will you speak, God, into my life? How will you guide us in this in this process, Because what can happen is it can accelerate our spiritual growth. There's something about being yielded and surrendered that is just beautiful in the kingdom of God. And so today as I think about this series and as we begin this series, I just want to leave with us this, this idea of are you fully surrendered? Is every part of your life fully surrendered? And as it comes to this arena and this area of your stuff and your finances and your things, are you bringing those into full surrender to God or are you holding that out and saying, God, everything but this part. And I just wanna encourage us to say, God, I'm, gonna, I'm just gonna yield this to you. Like The only thing I'm really asking you today as I, as I think about this, this sermon is asking God, am I yielded? And asking yourself, am I fully surrendered? And maybe just as we begin this series to say, God, all right, I wanna listen with open ears, with open hearts to what you have to say, how you can speak into my stuff, into my things, and into my money. And maybe as a practical step this week, you you look at your bank statements, you look at your credit cards, or maybe as you're buying something, you kinda just, just ask yourself, okay God, what should I be doing here? And just getting that in our mindset that how we handle our things is a spiritual responsibility. And just beginning there and saying, God, over the next several weeks, as we look at different principles in Scripture, different ways in which the economy and the kingdom of heaven works, that's so different than anything we know. God, I want to experience that, and I want to know what that's like. Because when you think about Jesus, you look at his life, and it just seems like money and stuff had no hold on his life. There was just this freedom as you read his story. And yet his impact was huge, was massive, obviously the greatest impact that could ever be. And he understands, and he, I think Jesus looked at us, and he looked at the people as he was preaching, he just saw that money and stuff and possessions had a hold on, on their heart. And he wants us to be free from that. He wants us to live in a way that is generous and that sees with different eyes the possibilities in the kingdom. And in the same way, blesses us beyond measure in ways that we could never imagine. So we're gonna look at some of these pieces over the next several weeks, but today, we just wanna surrender to God in this way. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for your word, the truth of, of, of your teachings, God, that remind us that these challenges, these tensions that we feel are, are long standing, and that we're not the only ones that worry, that fret, that have anxiety over our resources and our things and how to spend them and how to use them. God, we want good things in life. We wanna enjoy life. And God, you want us to enjoy life. You've given us a beautiful world. All good gifts come from you. But Father, I just pray that you would help us in, in this week and in this series and in these, these weeks to understand what it means to grow our heart closer to, to you. Help us to, to understand how to leverage the resources you've blessed us with to grow our hearts to the things that matter and to grow our hearts closer to you. God, we surrender to you. We wanna build our life on you and your purposes and in your kingdom. We give this time and this series and these weeks to you. In Jesus' name, amen.